0: I did a presentation in the Panama Canal. It was very interesting because the, the people of the Panama Canal were very proud you know, with the second canal that they, they built. You know, They were presenting the ships that were coming through. And at the same moment I was given the presentation, the biggest ship of the world was entering Rotterdam and it, wouldn't, and it won't fit the Panama Canal. You know, the people were saying, you know, we can accommodate, you know, the big ships in the world. I said, no, you know, this ship is coming to Rotterdam on Friday. It was on a Wednesday and I said, this won't fit to the new expansion of the Panama Canal too. It won't fit. So you have to build another Panama Canal. Can you imagine that?
1: Welcome to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast. I'm Sarah Powell from Esri and I'll be your host today. You just heard Erwin Rademacher, Program Manager for Europe's largest port, the Port of Rotterdam, allude to the importance of innovation and transformation in today's disruptive business climate. Core to global commerce, today's leading ports use advanced analytics, geospatial information, and a digital twin to plan intelligently, stay competitive, and thrive. Here, Esri's Jacqueline Jimenez investigate a powerful international example of digital transformation and industry modernization.
2: Hi, Erwin. Thank you for being with us today. Hi. You have an uncommon job in a very interesting industry. You oversee the busiest port in Europe. Paint the picture for us. How does a typical day look like?
0: Well, the day never ends because it's a 24-7 operation and every second counts in the port. Uh, you have to imagine that uh, this port is receiving uh, ships every six minutes of a day. If you imagine you are standing at the Los Angeles airport, you know you see the two-minute interval of planes coming in. That's very visible, but in the port it's the same. Every six minutes a ship is coming in and unloading, transferring goods or loading goods, and, and sailing away again. So it's a very busy industrial complex.
2: What are some of the key aspects for making the business work?
0: So key for us is that ships can enter the port in a safe way and an efficient way, and that the goods that are going to the port are handled as efficient as possible within the port. So our main goal is to have the ship leaving as soon as possible. And everything, just wise has to be uh, in, in place for that to happen.
2: You already gave us some details on the operations, but what are those numbers that can help us understand the big scale of the operations?
0: Well, as I mentioned, every six minutes a ship is sailing in or out uh, of the port. The second thing is to imagine that the, the size of the port is actually 40 kilometers in width and 10 kilometers in height, so to speak. So it's a very big land water surface where everything is happening. Then on the other side, on the seaside, there's 60 kilometers on sea that we have to, to manage as well, with all the vessels coming in and going out. So it's a huge, huge aerial uh, surface uh, in that perspective. And, and that makes it very complex, and that also, when you look at it, if you come visit the port office, you will basically find a map in every room on the wall. And you have to see the geographical context of a customer or where a ship is. So it's so immense in size.
2: You draw a distinction among being biggest, best, and smartest in your industry. Can you talk a little bit more about that?
0: I I notice, you know, that that these three words, biggest, best, and smartest, are actually related with the Port of Rotterdam because we have been the biggest port for decades uh, in the world. Uh, nowadays, Chinese sports are, are very rapidly growing and I think within the top ten of the biggest sports in the world, we are at number eight and I think only Singapore is the other non-Chinese sport in the top ten. So w- we ain't the biggest anymore and we don't have any illusion that we ever will be the biggest sport in the world anymore. Now being the best sport in the world relates to the infrastructure that we have so within this port area 40 by by 10 kilometers in dimensions we have a lot of infrastructure like roads uh, key walls jetties waterways you know all all infrastructural things steel and concrete i call them and in 2017 for the sixth time in a row we have been selected by the world economic forum as the uh, best port infrastructure in the world. So our infrastructure is the best uh, in relation to maintenance uh, or safety or uh, reliability. So we are already the best port in the world, but now comes the next challenge and that's we want to become the smartest port in the world. So, and this is where one of the two main disruptors so to speak in in our industry will come to in place so the first one is the energy transition and the uh, second one is a digital transformation of our port and we have to to invest a lot to make uh, our infrastructure nowadays smarter than it is because we foresee that the infrastructure will have to communicate with autonomous ships in the future, or autonomous vehicles in the future.
2: When we usually refer to smart, we think about connectivity, sharing of information. Uh, How do you feel about that, and how is the port being innovative about that too?
0: It is about connectivity. My latest program that I'm running, uh, Smart Infrastructure, has the aim to input intelligence in infrastructure so the technology will help us by putting sensors that can communicate with one another or with a system like uh, our port maps system which can stream their data into uh, into the system to get a better insight so I used a, uh, a one-liner to convince our management or our board in investing in this program and I mentioned that the um, inspector of the future will be a sensor. And I explained that if you have, let's say, 20,000 bullets in the port, bollards are where you put a rope on and tie the ship onto to berth it. So if you have like 10 or 20,000 of these bullets and they have to be inspected, you can't do that 24-7 a day with people. But you can do that with sensors. Put a sensor, sensor, smart sensor on every bullet, and they will 24-7 give the status of that bullet. Is it occupied? You know, what's its, What's the, the strength of the rope pulling at it? You can do that. So the inspector of the future will be a sensor. And this is, this is you know, like thinking of uh, a port where no people, you know, or less people are working. and robots or you know this kind of infrastructure takes over uh, the normal processes
2: a few years ago you faced a threshold moment you realized something about your need to grow can you describe the moment that realization hit you
0: oh yes so we get requests from tenants that want to be located within the port of Rotterdam and we didn't have the space to fill in those requests. So we reclaimed land over the sea by 20% and created a whole new part of the port and we already knew that was the last time we could expand the port. So we have to look within the port how we can Optimize what's already there. And we have the ambition still to grow. I remember in 2014, we had something like 400 million tons of goods going uh, through the port. And we will grow, you know, approximately to 700 million tons before the year 2030. There are a lot of strategic questions within the port. Uh, how we can achieve that growth within you know the current dimensions
2: at the beginning you said we realized that we need to optimize. What specifically were the challenges that you had to face when you immerse yourself in this transformation?
0: The biggest changes are coming from the shipping industry. the ships are getting bigger and bigger all the time. So when we build a new site for a tenant, we have to uh, to build the infrastructure like the key walls or the jetties. The dimensions of these infrastructure are related to the functional need of the ships. So it's a challenge to put the right dimensions. To the infrastructure, because once you build a key wall, you're not gonna renew a key wall like an IT system. You know, every three years. That these are huge, huge investments. You know, that that could be going into the hundreds of millions of um, of of dollars or euros. And and this is this is really the challenge. The shipping industries is very rapidly growing i think that the biggest ship container ship nowadays is like 21500 containers before you know before the end of the year you know there will be a bigger ship maybe 22000 i did a presentation in the panama canal that was very interesting because the, the people of the Panama Canal were very proud, you know, with the second canal that they, they built, you know, they were presenting the ships that were coming through. And at the same moment I was given the presentation, the biggest ship of the world was entering Rotterdam and it wouldn't, and it won't fit the Panama Canal. You know, the people were saying, you know, we can accommodate, you know, the biggest ships in the world. They said, no, you know, this ship is coming to Rotterdam on Friday. It was on a Wednesday, and I said, this won't fit to the new expansion of the Panama Canal too. It won't fit. So you have to build another.
2: You've talked before about information as the fifth modality within the port. Can you explain that to us and how that has evolved?
0: Well, there are actually, from the beginning of when the port was created, we had already traditional modalities, like roads, not, not trains, but uh, the railroads are the other one, pipelines are the third, and the waterways, of course, are the fourth. So we have four traditional uh, modalities within the ports to um, handle goods or to transport goods from and to the port. Now, what I mentioned was that we have to create a fifth modality within the port, and this is the information modality. So we will see in the future that everything is connected to one another, and therefore you need an infrastructure and you need a system or systems, you know, to record that information, whether it's administrative, or operational, or geographical. You know, this information will connect everything within the port. So the vision is that there will be a new modality or the fifth modality within the port. So what we nowadays see is that the metaphor I used in 2014 of the fifth modality is nowadays being transformed and being used uh, in the world as a digital twin. So basically, we had already the vision that everything would be connected within the port and everything would be digitized within the port. We're gonna create a digital twin of the port and therefore, uh, we're gonna literally transform the physical port into a digital port. This is called digital transformation. It's the transition from a physical port to a digital port. So four dimensions of a physical world into four dimensions into a digital twin of that port. I think that a digital twin will lead to uh, less safety incidents. I think that um, for planning purposes, less hours will be spoiled in waiting hours. I think even for our customers, we can you know, guarantee the depth more accurate so they can load their ships more efficient, so more cargo on the ship per ship visit. And the last thing, I think it's, it's, it's gonna be beneficial for um, sustainability as well. So I think there will be less pollution uh, due to more efficient handling of, of goods and ships within the port. There are no politics involved or, you know, games to be played. It's just a status from one intelligent robot or infrastructure part to another.
2: So machines will be doing what machines are supposed to be doing.
0: Yes, like your microwave. You know, you put in thirty seconds, you know, and it's not gonna say, No, I don't like you, I'm gonna take forty seconds today. No, it's just doing the job.
2: So increased efficiency while increasing also sustainability. Yes. The level of integration in the port seems very impressive. So it has changed your system architecture. Yes. Can you explain a little bit more about that and what it means?
0: You know, we we have to integrate everything so we can look at our assets and say, all right, we want to to have the best infrastructure of the world now that that implies a lot of maintenance costs on the other hand you know we want to be safe as well you know so we have to build you know as cheap as possible so to speak you know because we want to to have our, our market position uh, be protected and on the other hand we have to be safe or we have to be sustainable. So key for us is that we combine data and we project it in a single reference or a single map with different perspectives made out of it. Safety of course you know is number one um and and then you know all other things comes in, like sustainability, profitability, efficiency, etc. And it's it's very, you know, it's it's it, it it's changed the the way we we process information. You know, it's it's more integrated nowadays where it was more siloed in departments before. So what, what, one of the things that we did is to standardize all these tailor-made systems that we had. I think we had about 45 systems and like 25 individual interfaces. And we changed it with one platform. So we got back to one core system with several modules. And on the data and information side, we got back from 1500 layers of information to 10 core objects and 250 uh, child uh, objects so you know it was a dramatic change in maintenance cost and reducing of complexity going back to one system and one object model
2: how have your customers experienced the improvements
0: well, I think we as a port are more responsive to their needs, information-wise. So we are more able nowadays to give faster and more reliable information about you know, the status of their performance. Before we were privatized, we were like bureaucratic and... That had partly to do with the way, you know, we we had our information systems organized, so we weren't able to respond, you know, very quickly to the questions of the customers. So I think responsiveness is key nowadays, and it makes us agile, you know, in, in how to react and respond.
2: Have you noticed a change in the organization's culture?
0: Yes, because it's more open and the the willingness uh, to collaborate with one another uh, has improved as well.
2: Looking back on your transformation, you talk about having three secrets to success. Can you share those?
0: Yes, well, the first one is about integration with all the expert systems, so integration was. You know, uh, on an architectural point of view, very key. The other one is that we were very smart in creating an object model before we looked uh, at the technology. So we defined our objects first before we, we looked for a partner that could provide the technology. Uh, and the third one is that you know, having that system as a, as a single point of entrance for all the information, I wanted to have that system to be as uh, easy to use as possible. So I used the metaphor as easy as your iPhone or even the the three clicks to content, you know, to to emphasize that the system should be as easy as your iPhone to use. When I started with this program, I couldn't understand why I was able, it was very funny, I, <clears throat> I was, just before I, uh, I was asked to run the program, um, I was in New York and I remember it very well, it was, I think 2010, 2011, and I was in New York asking a guy on the street, do you know where an ATM, you know, the next ATM is? And the guy said, you know, why don't you look at your iPhone? So I said, yeah, you're right. So I looked on my iPhone, you know, and I found, you know, an ATM, you know, like 50, 50 meters away. And when I got back and I got the program, people were mentioning to me that they couldn't find, you know, outside of our office, there are bullets on the key, and they couldn't find that bullet in their system. And I said, "I said this is, this is not possible, you know. I just came from New York, and I was, I was, you know, able to find an ATM and you work at the port and you can't find you know this this piece of infrastructure in your system i can't believe this you know this is like like we are being pushed back you know to the 1600s uh, again and uh, as a customer you know i can't find anything so i wanted to have it as as easy to use as an iphone that was the metaphor
2: is there a single moment in this transformation that stands out for you and why?
0: Yeah, there is. Because having said that I wanted the system to be as easy uh, as an iPhone, I was mentioning every, every project team meeting, I was saying, all right, you know, make a system that is as easy that a, a 10-year-old kid can use it. So at the final testing, I invited uh, kids to test the system. And this is one of the best moments of the program, because I mentioned to them, all right, these are children aged 10 to 20, and these are the next generation of port employees. And I want this system you know, to be there when they come to work at the port. I want them to test it now... You know, and, and within ten years, you know, they will apply for a job in the port. So they tested the system, you know, and they gave us feedback where to improve or, you know, and and. But you know, it was a great success. They they could work with it. So this this is this was really the yeah, the ultimate test, you know, that it was as easy to use as an iPhone.
2: What part of your business are you looking to innovate even further?
0: I think there will be three major disruptors uh, coming to the port. The first one is the blockchain technology. Uh, the blockchain technology will actually decrease the waste of time waiting uh, for a ship to uh, get through all the administrative processes like custom clearances, etc. Uh, I've been told by the CEO of Maersk that two-thirds of the time of a port visit is wasted due to administrative processes. And one-third is only uh, being used of uh, to to um, transfer the goods from land to water uh, or the other side around. So blockchain will definitely decrease the, the waste of, of time uh, a ship is waiting in the port. The second one is 3D printing. 3D printers will reduce the transportation of goods because they will be printed by robots that work on sustainable energy like solar energy or wind energy. Uh, so labor cost will be reduced to zero, and these robots can print anything on any location. So there's, there will be no need for you know large amounts of containers to ship around the world. And the third one will be autonomous shipping. That will be probably the, the biggest disruptor and, and also the one that is facing us you know, within a few years. In Norway, the Yara Burklund, that's the name of the ship, is built and that will be on full operation in 2020 and it will sail autonomously in Norway between three sites three terminals so um, yeah, we we better be ready you know for these three disruptors so that's why I was mentioning the digital twin that will capture all the information and deliver all the information to uh, to accommodate these three disruptors this is the big thing uh, within the port for the next 10 years
2: a lot to come yes. thank you so much Erwin welcome
1: Thank you for listening to the Esri and the Science of Wear podcast, and thanks to Erwin Rademacher for explaining how the Port of Rotterdam optimized its competitiveness and growth with real time location intelligence and smart maps. To learn more, download our free ebook, The Science of Wear Discover the Value of Location Intelligence Technology at go.esri.com forward slash location intelligence.